0: The Andrea K Show, on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Andrea K.
1: Welcome to
0: the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2",
1: and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
2: Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night right here in San Diego, and I'm sitting here in the very chilly... KCBQ Studios. It is freezing in here today. It's like they got the AC cranked up, like it's July, and we got Santa Ana winds blowing, but I'm not one to complain. Love you, Salem Media. Sorry if I said anything about it being too cold. Hey, so glad to share this time with you. A few different ways to be a part of the show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. I'm also on Facebook in two different ways. I have my fan page. I hate to call it that because it sounds so cheese, but I would appreciate if y'all would like that over there. I'm trying to get more people over there because I hover around my maximum of friends on my regular Facebook profile page. They're both called Andrea K. So I'd appreciate if you would join me there because I depend so much on what you guys have to say about everything the topics of the day. In fact, You guys are my show producers because I don't have time to even stay up on all the topics. And so thankfully I have you all out there, my friends and family and social media in my world to keep me honest and keep me abreast of not just the topics of the day, but the details of those. Because it seems with this 24 seven news cycle, cycle, all the scandals, everything that happens every day here and abroad around the world, it's so difficult without a team of people to help me. and to help each other really kind of know what the heck is going on. It can be so confusing and it can make so many people, especially with the holidays, you know, bury their head in the sand. So we got a lot to cover on today's show and, and I'm super excited about it. We've got Gail Trotter, who is a political analyst and commentator is going to be on our show to talk about Obama's speech last night. We've got none other than Bernie Carrick, the not, uh, New York police commissioner at the time of the 9-11 terror attacks Who's going to be on the show. I am so excited to have him on to give his perspective as to the war on terror that we have been waging actually since long before the September 11th terror attacks. So I'm super excited to get his perspective on what he has to say. And then we've also got Julianne Thompson's going to be on. She is was one of the founders in the Georgia Tea Party. She's part of a grassroots organization called Free America, and she's going to be on to talk about what is, she's actually seeing some really good opportunity for the GOP and really thinks that that this is really bad news for the Democrats going into 2016, everything that's going on in the way that President Obama and the Democrat Party themselves are handling the war on terror. And we've got some other subjects to talk about today because there's actually more than what's going on. The overall, as I've talked for many weeks, the overall, Overarching agenda of the left is to replicate what's happened in Europe here through multiculturalism. And, and it's really a key aspect of the overall agenda, which is Marxism, and that has taken root the multiculturalism identity group, r- inciting hatred among the different peoples, played out in so many different ways in our society. And one of which involves shootings and the police departments. And we can't t- take our eye off that ball. Like I said, so much happening. So I've got Steph Watts, my friend, who is a criminal, probably the guy for criminal investigations coming on the show. Because this morning, my head was starting to hurt watching some video going on. We now got some video coming out for another Chicago shooting. All meant, you know, the timing, you know. The timing is suspect. Actually, it's really not suspect. We know what this is all about. Here we are on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Pearl On, on Pearl Harbor, we were attacked. In fact, September 11th, that attack was the worst attack on American soil since Pearl Harbor. At Pearl Harbor was at a time when that happened. We were at a time where our nation, our country, our government were united together primarily United together, we were nationalistic as a culture and we clearly knew who the enemy was. We clearly embraced who the enemy was. We clearly had an agenda go out to go out and destroy the enemy and come back victorious. I think it was a week or two ago I talked about back then 18 and 19 year olds were strapping on guns and getting onto beachheads and taking it to the enemy. Now we've got 18 and 19 year olds running around crying over safe spaces, but Today's show is really about fighting the enemy. Back then, we were clear about who the enemy was. We didn't pretend who the enemy wasn't. We didn't shy away from stating clearly who they are. Now we've got an enemy that we face, which is radical Islam. Actually, it's Islam itself. But we have a country... In which almost the majority at this point are refusing to say that it's as though back in Pearl Harbor it would be the equivalent of them saying, you know what, it may you know let's not say it was necessarily the Japanese who bombed us, or let's not call let's take the Nazi out of Nazism, let's not be honest about who the enemy we face, and there's a reason why President Obama in his speech last night is still refusing to name who the enemy is. And if you listen to his speech last night, and Gail Trotter and I are going to get into a little bit more about the, the speech and some of the details of his speech. But what was really clear to me is that Obama, after all these years, is still not willing to say who the enemy is. And I'm not even just talking about his refusal to say who the enemy we face as a nation is. He's refusing to say who his real enemy is. Because his real enemy is actually the American people, the American way of life, and in particular conservative Christians and also Jews. And you know what? He's right in one aspect. We are the enemy because those of us who are conservatives, those of us who believe in what this country was founded on, those of us who believe in the Constitution and every aspect of our life and wants to fight against those that want to take us over from within. Yeah, we don't want that agenda placed on us. We don't want the multiculturalism of Europe and what led to the destruction of Europe to to take place over here. So he's right about that. We are his enemy. I am your enemy, Obama. And I am not going to be quiet about it just because Loretta Lynch decides that she's going to want to try to prosecute people like me for speaking out about who the real enemy is. And I don't think I'm being hyperbolic or bombastic to say that President Obama is my enemy. Because as an American, you're trying to destroy my way of life in any way, shape or form. You're my enemy. There I said it. I'm tired of people wringing their hands and saying, like Marco Rubio did on Fox News. Everybody's congratulating him on his fantastic response to the speech last night. Marco Rubio saying, oh, I just think the American people have just lost trust in him because he just seems so overwhelmed. No, he was not overwhelmed in his speech last night. He is not overwhelmed. He was defensive for his people. He was angry at the enemies of his agenda. You look at his, and what was that speech? Last night, it was like paraphrased. It was like he, and people are saying, oh, you know what? He really, you know, seemed to kind of phone it in. Well, you know, kind of, I, it, it, to me, it looked more like he was, he just knew what he was, to, he was paraphrasing the speech he gave after Benghazi, the United Nations, in which he said, the future does not belong to those who would slander the prophet. He has made it very clear before he even ran for office who his people are, who his allies are, and who his enemies are. His allies are the Muslims, and I am not going to bother. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, part of the political correct game in which they fight the enemy is to the, beat us over the head with a political correct stick. We're not supposed to ask whether or not he's a Muslim. We're not supposed to ask what his intentions are. are. Now, we're not, you know, we're not even supposed to ask what the intentions are of the people who are coming here to try to kill us. The way that – what they did in fighting the war against the enemy, what the Obama administration did, which is the enemy being us, is first thing they did when he took office was he stripped out from any of the intelligence, anything related to the words jihad, Islam, radical, and they replaced it with Napolitano. Last week I talked about this, even before the San Bernardino attacks – they replaced it with conservatives. They warned against these military people that might be coming back from the war-torn areas. You know, we got to make sure that they're, you know, they don't have arms. Another way is the manipulation. I heard today in the press conference with the, the first responders from the San Bernardino attack saying, oh, these, the 14 people who perished, they had no chance. You know what? They did have a chance. They had a chance. If this this government had done what it needed to do to be honest about who the enemy is that we face. Launch an actual plan to defeat that enemy instead of lying. Stop beating people over the head with a political correct correct stick, calling them names and bigots for speaking out. Because this could have been prevented had all the people in these people's circle and community reported it. They had a chance. They had a chance if they would have been allowed to own guns. Instead of being taught that their, their safety plan would be to hide in a corner and whisper. How about defending themselves? These people had a chance. Most importantly, they had a chance. If this government would name who the enemy is and not consider them the enemy, not consider America the enemy, not consider our Second Amendment and any other constitutional rights, especially free speech, the enemy. He has made it very clear, and he reiterated that after this attack, that the enemy is America and our way of life. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to see if Gail Trotter agrees with me. She's the political analyst and commentator, and she's going to be on the line here to talk about the Obama speech last night. Hey, don't change that doll. This is the Andrea K Show on aim
3: 1170
4: be sure to follow andrea k on twitter at andrea k show and follow her on facebook and like her fan page at andrea k Kay, spelled k-a-y-e
2: want to start living better longer Lavita compounding pharmacy can help
6: Convenient, home-style recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero
4: Mexican food. We get it, too. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Yo, fellas, are you ready to do this?
7: Yeah, no, what's Shut up, up now, man? man. Yeah. What's up,
2: Welcome back Boys to the, the Andrea K. K. Show. Glad to have you here with me. In case some of you guys recognize some of that old school Andrea K. Show bumper music, that's because my boy Dijon Dylan is engineering the show for me today, and he always knew exactly what kind of smooth groove. That I love to have that keeps me rocking and rolling and keeps me going on. Hey, before the break, we were talking about enemies and fighting the enemies. You know, and here we are on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. We did. We weren't too scared to say who the enemy was. We weren't too afraid to go and launch. We didn't let p- political correctness stop us from defeating these people. We had a Democrat in office. And what did he decide to do to end the war? He dropped a nuclear weapon. Right now, we've got President Obama in a speech last night lying to the American people saying that uh, what was the words that he used? He talked about how he was um, uh, continuing to hunt them down and, oh, launching airstrikes. His rules of engagement are such that fighter pilots are coming back with 75 percent of their ordinances. They're not doing anything to degrade and destroy this. And oh by the way, we're talking about enemies. Who You can know from who he attacks and who he doesn't mention exactly who President Obama's allies are and who his enemies are. Last night was Hanukkah. Did he mention Israel? No, he did not. He didn't mention Israel last night. They were not a part of of, of who he sees as a strategic partner at all in the solution, nor does he see them as an ally, and it's because he sees them as an enemy to his overall game plan. Dinesh D'Souza accurately assessed it when he said at at 2016 we would have an entire Middle East under radical Islamist control and a militarily and economically neutered America at the hands of President Obama because he sees us as the enemy. Tucker Carlson said today that in his speech last night he spent 8% of the time talking about fighting uh, Islamic terror and 29% attacking Americans and lecturing us about not being bigots. That would have been like... The president during World War II coming out, FDR coming out and saying, you know, you know, the future does not belong to anybody who's going to badmouth the Nazis or anybody who's going to say anything bad about the Germans. We were attacked by an ideology, not ISIS. ISIS did not do this. Islam did this. And his response, the president of the United States was the response today, as it was after Benghazi, to come out and push back and bully the American people. He attacked America with his words last night. What else did he say that was absolutely so ridiculous? Um, you know, he, a, a, as his defense of Islam, one of the things that the left loves love to do is they love to kind of quote these, you know, ridiculous numbers at us. Oh, there's 1.8 billion dollar, one billion dollar, 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. This is, this is just a small percentage of them that are doing this. First of all, let's talk about this peaceful religion that is Islam. Of the one point something billion Muslims out there, what is the percentage of them that subjugate women in a variety of different ways? I'm talking about six-year-olds in mass all around the world, millions and millions and millions of 6 year old and, and, and average age, six, seven, up, upwards of 12-year-old girls having their genitals cut off. I don't want to be lectured to about the peace and, and uh, good nature of Islam. When that's what they're doing to women. And in these Muslim countries, I don't want to hear about this when women are being stoned for being rape victims. I don't want to hear anything about uh, Islam and, and how many of this is just a small percentage. When you go into Muslim countries like Saudi Arabia and it's a death penalty if they find out you're gay. Don't tell me this is a religion of peace. And oh, by the way, this is not a a religion. Part of the way that they're defeating the enemy that is America is to continue to tout the falsehood that this is a religion. Islam is a political ideology. It is tyrannical. It is extreme. And it is about total 100% conquest. You either submit like their women and, and daughters. You either submit or they will kill you. That's what this is about. What else did he talk about that was absolutely ridiculous? Oh, of course he had to get into gun control which had absolutely nothing to do with this. He didn't talk about IED control. He says there's no, no evidence that this is connected to an organization. What well, doesn't have to be connected to an organization. I'll, I'll tell you how I view it as being connected to an organization. It's called the Organization of Islam. That's the connection. Let's talk about this woman and where she came from. She is one of 200,000 Pakistani refugees that have come into this country. Her name was Tashveen Malik, and she actually um, was brought here through the front door. Great article from Conservative Review that talks about how she was brought here through a green card this past July. And this article I love, it's from Daniel Horowitz, and it was from a few days ago, and he speaks the absolute truth. There is no way to vet strict Sharia adherence. That's what this is about. And and anybody who wants to to tell me, I've actually got some conservative friends supposedly wanting to tell me back door. They don't tell me this on Facebook. They're not confronting me this on Facebook, but they're messaging me telling me that I need to back off from this, that, you know, all, you know, all this aren't that. No, here's the reality. This is what Islam is. It's about Sharia and there's no way to vet them. In fact, um, I didn't even know this, but Al Qaeda has a, um, magazine that's called inspire magazine. Who knew? And they actually in their magazine had bomb making blueprints. And that's exactly what these this couple did. They actually took blueprints from Al Qaeda, from the magazine Inspire and put them together. So this doesn't have anything to do with gun control. We have had here's what's most disturbing to me about this um, article here about Tashveen, which I did not even know. We've been talking about s- these Syrian refugees. Meanwhile, such a red herring. We have had actually 680,000 immigrants from predominantly Muslim countries in, the, in five years from 2009 to 2013. Already here. She was already here. Here everybody's wringing their hands over these Syrian refugees. 10,000, 200,000. We've had 700,000 of them brought here. And President Bush was bringing some over here as well. This article goes on to say we also bring in over 150,000 foreign students from that region every single year. And this article goes on to say that the government has not published any data since 2013 and has still refused to release the 2014 DHS yearbook on immigration statistics. Could it be because we now know that 70-something, 72 or 74 members from Department of Homeland Security are on the terror watch list? You know, we have no idea. There's no way to vet these people. Supposedly, I tell you how we vet these people. I tell you, we need to vet them by a couple of different ways. How about we vet them by saying, you come here, we're not going to let you in our country if you're coming here from any Muslim country. We vet them through the ideology of Islam. There, I said it. And another way we vet them is Hillary Clinton's talking uh, trying to put some blame on some technology companies saying they're not doing enough to to stop this. I, I have an idea. How about anybody like Malik who pledges allegiance to Islam or to not Islam, but ISIS on any social media like she did? How about they get a visit? How about, how about we, somebody said this to me, this isn't my idea, people, but I'm actually, I'm actually interested in knowing what your thoughts on this. How about we, what happened to, you know, one of my favorite book authors was Vince Flynn and he wrote the series of books about a uh, kill squad, a government kills, military style CIA government kill squad. And, um, you know, why not? Why not? Why are we vetting these people properly? Not allowing them to come here from any Muslim countries. And we find out anybody here is pledging allegiance to ISIS. They're going to um, gun ranges. How about we getting involved with that? What else did he say in the speech last night that was ridiculous? He actually said that we could overcome the war on terror. That's actually one of the comments that he made in the speech that was the most disturbing to me. Because it was so misleading to the American people. We cannot completely overcome this. If there's 1.8 billion Muslims around the world and (laughs) far more numbers of them are, are, radicalized. There's no way we can, we can actually completely defeat this and 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 eradicate it. That's like saying you're going to get rid of all the cockroaches in New York City. And yeah, I use that as a comparison. You can't do it. But what we can do is we can be nationalistic. We can seal our borders. We can stop bringing people here through these, through these backdoor excuses, bringing them here for the backdoor or the front door of immigration. We can, you know, they want to talk about human intelligence. How about some human intelligence? And forget this NSA data mining crap. They're data mining every one of us, spending trillions of dollars on facilities outside Las Vegas. Meanwhile, did that help us with these, with these people here? How about we get into some racial profiling? Because you know what? It wasn't a gang of Swedes who took us down on 9-11. This wasn't a gang of Swedes at Fort Hood and Boston bombing and up in San Bernardino. We know who the enemy is, Islam. Nani Darwish said we need to be courageous enough to name our enemy its location. And it is here. And I tell you who else is our enemy is anybody with the United States government who is bringing them here. And I don't care whether they're a Republican or a Democrat. And I tell you who is also the enemy is anybody who wants to propagate the flat-out lie that taking taking guns... From anybody is going to solve this. These people used a blueprint from Al Qaeda to build IEDs that supposedly looked coincidentally like Clockboy's IED bomb fake supposed fake bomb device that he took to Arizona. This is just astounding to me that this is where we're at. I said recently on my show a few weeks ago that after nine eleven we always said never forget how soon have we forgotten? We turned around and elected. I didn't vote for him, but we turned around and we elected a man who said, I will stand with the Muslims should the winds shift in an ugly direction. And he has. We have a man who, after a terrorist attack in Benghazi that resulted in the deaths of four Americans, we had that president go to the U.N. and say the future does not belong to those who slander the prophet. This is where we are. And I can't wait for my next guest, Bernie Carrick, to talk to him and and get his perspective on what we're doing as a country and as a government in fighting the war on terror. This is the Andrea Kay Show. Stay with me. More on the other side of the break.
4: Want more Andrea Kay?
7: and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micro market generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The
4: Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
8: I've heard people say that too much of anything is not good for you,
3: maybe. but
8: I don't know mm-hmm. about
2: there's oh, yeah. been
8: the a time that we've loved and we've love, we shared love and made
2: love. <laughs> hey, welcome back to the Andrew K. Show. Glad to have you all here with me today. You know, I gotta, I'm got. i so glad my, my engineer, my My buddy Dylan is engineering the show for me today and playing some of my feel-good songs because I just get so fired up and upset over what's happening in our nation and how we are dealing with these enemies who want to destroy us, particularly here we are on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. and. It, when we reflect back on what we call the greatest generation, we were at a time in our nation in which we were so nationalistic. We were so in, it's still in love with America and what we were about, and we were so fierce and so willing to take it to the enemy, and boy, we did. And I tell you who knows a thing or two about the enemy that we face today and what we should be doing, and I'm so honored to have him on the show today. And it's none other than Bernard Carrick, New York City Police Commissioner at the time of the next to Pearl Harbor the second greatest attack that had happened on American soil. Bernie, welcome to the Andrew K. Show. Thank you. Um, so much that I would love to get into today, and unfortunately we don't have as much time, so I'm hoping you're going to be back on the show at some point with us. But the the war on terror has been an ongoing theme for my show for many years now, and it doesn't seem as though as I've been reporting on it, that we're actually making an advance, any advances in it. And it actually seems as though we've been really regressing in the war on terror. So much so to where on the anniversary of 9-11, I said, you know, we had this, we had this great, um, Actually, I said after the Paris attacks, everybody was Je suis Paris. And that was after the Charlie Hebdo attacks, uh, attacks. Hashtag Je suis Paris. Well, on 9-11, it was never forget. But boy, we have forgotten, Bernie. We've forgotten, we've obviously forgotten everything that, that we supposedly learned after 9-11 with what we mm. have going on here as a nation. Am I wrong?
8: No, you're not wrong. I and mean, I, I think it's, uh, It's just human nature. And in November of 2005, on November uh, 9th of 2005, uh, there were three bombings of hotels in Amman, Jordan. And at the time, I was working for the King of Jordan. In the aftermath of those bombings, all suicidal bombers killed uh, 65 people, injured almost 200. Uh, I went to the king and I told him, I said, listen, you have about 90 days. Um, In 90 days, you can get all the support you want internationally, you can get support from the US, you'll get support from your own people. After 90 days, that support will start to diminish, people will start to forget. Um, Same thing, Charlie Hebdo, same thing in Spain, same thing in London, same thing in Paris, and it will be the same thing here. If we don't have another attack within 90 days, after about 90 days, people will all, start to get, start to put it behind them. And it's human nature for people to try to just ignore it. Uh, the problem is this is an enemy that came to us a long, long time before September 11th. Uh, you know, you can go back to the 83 bombings of the the uh, Beirut uh, embassies, the 85 uh, kidnapping of Leon Klinghoffer when they threw almost a mm-hmm. boat. And I can go on and on right up into 2001. We ignored every single one of those those radical Islamic attacks on us in, in some place, soft targets, hard targets, whatever the case may be. We basically forgot every one of those. The problem is, a radical Islamic movement against the West is not forgetting they've been doing this since the seventh century for God's sakes right um, it, it's you know this is an enemy that's not going away and until we understand that as a people until we come to that realization we're not going to fight the enemy like we should and if we don't eventually we lose
2: you say fight the enemy in the right way exactly what that sh- should that be yeah
8: <sighs> If I was the president, you know, I listened to his speech last night, and, you know, we're going to go after ISIS, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You know, we have 65 countries. Really? Listen.
3: Yeah.
8: ISIS consists of uh, a group of men between 30 and 50,000. Okay. If we had 60, I want you to think about this for a second. If we had 65 countries in a coalition, think about that number, 65 countries? that can't take on 30 to 50,000 men? That's absurd. We don't have 65 countries in a coalition. We have 65 countries that signed a piece of paper and said they're willing to help in some way. The reality is many of them are not helping the way they should because they don't trust America. They don't believe in our leadership. They don't believe in us. They don't think we're gonna be there to support them and they're not doing what they could do to basically eliminate this threat. If I was the president, I'd go to the King of Jordan. I'd go to the president of Egypt. I'd get them the resources they need. I'd bring in an Arab coalition. I'd get those guys to go on the ground. We need, you know, anybody that says you're going to do this without boots on the ground, you're a fool. It's not happening. Airstrikes alone is not going to win this battle. But the Arab nations, Gulf states, they have people that understand the language, they understand the intelligence. They have people in there. They know the area. They can get in and out of places that we can't. We need to fund those resources and get these people to do that while we're doing a very aggressive ground attack and an intelligence capture so that we can funnel them the information they need to fight this enemy.
2: Well, let me okay, excuse three me, to me six for months. three to Go six ahead. months. You think it could be, be accomplished in three to six months?
8: I think in three to six months, you have you if it's done right and, and done the way I'm saying, I think you basically crucify them, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to have you have to have an element of people in those countries that's going to assist the Iraqis, assist the Syrians, assist these other countries to keep these people out of
4: there.
2: Well, let me ask you this though, because you you said that we've been they've been fighting the west now since the seventh century isis wasn't around then and in fact no, you know 15 it's years not. ago it was all about al-qaeda now it's about isis and this woman yeah, you, malik Sh- tahifa tahifan or whatever the heck her name is she supposedly didn't have anything to do with isis what she did was she came out of this radical school over in pakistan that you know preaches you know strict sharia so well, you know but that's listen, a, what do we do with first of all,
8: anybody that's coming out of Pakistan that's attending a madrasa a, a madrasa is a, a school or a, a college that's usually affixed to a mosque who are they can be extremely, extremely radical. Keep in mind in Saudi Arabia, I, I lived there for four four and a half years in the seventies going into the eighties. In Saudi Arabia the lowest level of society despises the West. Despises right. because they're constant you know, it's it's the holding center for two of the primary the biggest religious centers the biggest mosques in the world basically are in Jeddah and Mecca in Saudi Arabia these people at the lowest levels are extremely radical extremely they hate the West and you know so nobody should be surprised that this woman came out of Pakistan or these other places but I want I want to touch on something real quick that you just said okay. you know Isis wasn't around then. No, no, ISIS wasn't around then. Al-Qaeda wasn't around then either. Here's here's the thing. Here, here's what I've tried to explain to people over the last several years. Forget the names. Forget right. the names. Okay? I don't care if you call it Hamas or Hezbollah or Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, uh, uh, the ISIS. And I can, there's 50 names. Right. There is a radical element of Islam that believes in the demise of, Of the West and believes in the caliphate that any anybody that doesn't believe in the Muslim religion they have a right to kill yeah okay there's an element there's a major element of that now there's 1.2 billion Muslims in the world today think of this number if only 5% of that number if only 5% of that number is radicalized that it's It's millions and millions of people and there there are intelligence numbers people say it's fifteen to twenty five percent that's three hundred million people
2: yeah and the, and that's just the one ones that are radicalized and and i'm kind of one that that's not really a fan of the word they like regards to this couple in san bernard that they were radicalized as though kind of like it was beyond their control and they were kind of walking down the street and got hit by lightning versus this being about an ideology but you know um to to me and and i'm not an expert in 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 islam itself but to me i look at the one point billion Muslims that are out there. And I look, and I asked my and I talked about this earlier in the show in, in a previous segment, how what's the percentage of those who actually are involved in Sharia that involves subjugating women, stoning them, criminalizing them for being rape victims, involved in female genital mutilization. Um, that in itself is just another American, form of you, terror.
8: If you want to go by if you if you want to go by that number, if you want to look at that number one, I don't know what that number is. But that's the entire, uh, you know, that's Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that yeah. That is Pakistan. Hmm. Um, that is Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, that you know, um, you know, those there are the whole country um, that that run on, you know, that uses Sharia law as their principle. Um,
2: and here in America, I think there was a poll, Bernie, that said 60-something percent or a majority of American Muslims actually are in favor of Sharia. We have organizations like CARE and the Muslim Brotherhood who have said openly that it is their goal to replace the Constitution with Sharia. So I'm, well, I am i don't really like it being minimal. That- you're
8: going to have that from. You're going to have that from the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood, in my opinion, is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have that from, like, from them and others. But here's here's the crossover. Here here's the problem we have. People believe, you know, the moderate Muslims that believe in the Quran, their interpretation of the Quran is is one that is not. It, it doesn't follow the true words of the Quran because if you read the Quran, if you actually read it, there are some extremely brutal things that are written in the Quran. The, the moderate Muslims and, and the law-abiding citizens, the American citizens who are Muslim, they don't they don't interpret the Quran in the brutal depiction di- that that it, it has. Um, but there are others out there that you know. They take that interpretation um, the way it is, Uh, they enhance it, and they use it for their own political agenda. And that's what a lot of ISIS and Al-Qaeda and these other groups do.
2: Should we stop immigration? If if you look at the situation, it wasn't ISIS that led to these attacks it, themselves specifically as an organization. It was this woman who was taught strict Sharia out of a school, the Alhuda International Semita- uh, Seminary, which has, you know, branches even in here in the United States and in Canada that uh, she came out of. They have been criticized before for their conservative strain of Islam. And it's from there in which she was immersed in for years, uh, taking classes six days a week, that that she came out with this um, to me, it makes sense that we should stop immigration from, from these countries and we should route out, you know, instead of this trillions of dollars being spent on this data mining of Americans to where little old ladies, phone records, they're being put on watch list and, you know, no fly list. And, you know, the records are being data mined. We need to be uh, routing out, uh, these centers and routing out mosques. care was a co-indicted, uh, um, unindicted co-conspirator, how are they even still existing as an organization here, Bernie? I mean, if, if well, you've got a bunch of grapes in front of you and you know three of them are poison, you're going to eat any of the grapes? I mean, to me it just makes a, you sense.
8: You a couple, a couple of things that I think Americans don't think about when they look at this stuff. You know, back in the you know, 1920s to 40s, 50s, we went after organized crime and the mafia, both here in the United States, and today there's basically, they're all gone. Okay, we went after gangers, uh, gang bangers. You know, we've infiltrated those uh, those criminal elements. We've gone after, uh, y- y- you name it, uh, y- even the Catholic Church. <laughs> you know, law enforcement has gone into the Catholic Church and, like, taken action against the members of the church. This, they are scared to death. <laughs> we, You know, people are scared to death to go near this because they don't want to, Infringe on someone's religious beliefs. Well, I have to tell you, that's going to be a part of our demise if they don't get over it.
2: And that's one um, reason why I got to leave it here. I've only got one minute left. My suggestion is that w- instead of us, one of the ways that we're being manipulated in in for this conquest is being told our our freedom of religion is being used against us i have said that i think that islam should be declared a political system versus a religion it's a political system that has a religious component so that we remove the protections so that we don't ha- we don't have people being bullied into into not speaking up when they see behavior going on and that there therefore it it makes it possible for them if we declare it a political system it removes it, that from them being able to hide behind the religious protections in order to destroy us from within. Am I wrong?
8: Well, you could be right. um, But the problem is you need Congress to agree with you, and Congress would rather sit back and do nothing until the next attack, and there will be more attacks, bigger attacks. It's coming. It's not if, it's when. um, and, And that's the unfortunate thing about all of this.
2: Well, well, I just appreciate so much for coming on the show and giving your perspective, and I hope you come back. And hopefully it won't be because we've had more attacks, but I think you and I know that that's probably a foregone conclusion. Bernie Carrick, thank you so much for being on the Andrea K Show today. Thank you, Nina. Right. Hey, we're going to take a break. We come back. We got more on the other side to talk about with this because we've got Julianne Thompson who's going to be here to talk about how this actually is going to be helpful to the GOP in winning the 2016 election. So thanks for being with us on The Andrea Kay Show. Don't change that dial.
8: That's what you
4: are.
1: Unforgettable.
4: Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K., spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy. LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
4: you're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not a warm when she's away.
2: Welcome back to The Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have you here with Ain't me. Glad no to be, be hearing some of my favorite bumper songs. Y'all know how much I love Bill Withers. You know what, also, I love? I love the U.S. Constitution. I love America. I love what it stands for, and I am against anybody who wants to take us over from within. That's why I dedicated so much of my life and my time to trying to speak out what is my truth and what is my belief. And hopefully, you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I like to think maybe I got a little bit of an impact. I absolutely do believe that one person can make a difference. And I think that uh, I'm all about the grassroots movement right now that's going on in this country. We can take our country back. We don't have to let it be destroyed from within. And I just love all the millions of Americans out there doing what they can do uh, to achieve that. And that brings me to my next guest on today's Andrea K. show. Um, she is. Uh, got quite the resume here. Julianne Thompson, founder of Free America Project, which is in, their organization is all about mobilizing grassroots and building coalitions uh, to keep the focus on conservative victory next November. She is the former co-chairwoman of the Atlanta Tea Party. I got peeps down in the ATL and she's former press secretary of the Georgia Republican Party. And she's on today to talk about what does this mean for the GOP going into 2016? Uh, hey, Julianne, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, thanks for being here. You know, I kind of, you know, whenever anything happens like these terror attacks, you know, the left wants to jump out. It's like in gun control in three, two, one. You know, I mean, you know, that it's immediately going to be politicized. That's exactly what they did. It was gun control and also, you know, hate speech. Um, so at the risk of sounding like we're politicizing the situation, I guess you can't take the politics out of politics. I kind of like what I've heard that you're saying. This is a good opportunity for the GOP. Why do you think so?
9: Um, well, I completely agree with you about the speech last night. It was back to blaming the victim instead of the perpetrator. Um, I, I definitely feel that the political climate uh, this this election season. Is, is for outsiders for a, a very good reason, and that is because people are tired of politicians that campaign one way and govern another. And, of course, the left has got us into the to the condition that we're in right now in the country, but it's also been a lack of leadership on some of our leaders in Washington, D.C., that are part of the Republican Party as well, because they have not stood up to the left. and. Right. That is why we're in the condition that we're in right now, and it is a wonderful opportunity for people like you and people like me and those who are like-minded to stand up and actually make a difference and stop listening to the talking points that are coming out of the media and that are coming out of the RNC that tell us that a conservative can't win, that we have to that we have to nominate a moderate. Um, I, I think that past advice uh, that gave us candidates like, like Mitt Romney although he's a good man but candidates that gave us like Mitt Romney and John McCain have showed us that candidates like that are not going to win people want somebody who is who is a proven believer in conservatism and you don't have to compromise on that to win an election and if we if we fail on that again and we listen to those talking points, then you know one of the definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result.
2: Yeah, in fact, I have I have conservatives arguing with me on Facebook. Oh, you know, so and so can't win. We, you know, we gotta have we gotta have a moderate. It hasn't worked before. Why are you embracing failed strategy? You know, if and part of it comes from people listening to so many of these consultants within the party. that continue to get paid whether or not they have. Any success, and you know the last time we had a presidential candidate as a Republican who ran as a conservative, he won, and it was George W. Bush. Now, granted, uh, the transformation of America at the hands of President Obama has been so extreme, and he's fomented so much divide across gender lines and racial lines and economic lines that we're not the same country that we were. We're almost at fifty percent of having the population be takers versus makers. Still. He he provided a clear contrast. My argument with President Bush was that when he got into office, he governed much like a Democrat under the con- compassionate conservative Dem Light model of expanding government in terms of, you know, um, DHS and other ways. But still he won. We have a model for success. And what do you, right now, it's interesting. Some poll numbers came out, and I don't know if you've had a chance to see the recent poll numbers. But Cruz has has surpassed Trump in Iowa, which I find really interesting, because after the terror attacks, you know, it seems as though more people were embracing Trump and his honesty, and then it seemed like Rubio was surging. What do you think about those poll results in Iowa?
9: Well, I think that they're very telling um, in a number of ways. First of all, I, I don't really put... Trump and Cruz um, in completely separate categories, even though Trump is you know he 's never been elected. Remember that Ted Cruz, although he is an elected official and has experience in the, in that arena, he is also very much of an outsider and he is uh, he's somebody that's people are looking at him and they 're saying record over rhetoric. You know, we know what he's going to do because when he campaigned in Texas to be senator, he said that he was going to stand up to what he terms as the Washington cartel and he was not going to be controlled uh, by the powers that be in Washington. And he has done exactly what he promised that he would do during the campaign. And he has stood for those promises and principles. Um, even when he had to stand alone uh, many times. So I think that people are seeing in him as sort of a hybrid-type candidate who is an outsider, but also somebody who has some experience, and not that people are definitely looking for somebody that has been an elected official before, but they are looking for somebody that they know is going to keep their promises, and he has done that.
2: Yeah, and Cruz, and also, he, yeah, Cruz also has demonstrated that he actually, it's, it's, it's kind of a dichotomy, because people want an outsider, but they do like the reinsurance that somebody understands how Washington works, because they love, so many people love Trump's style and some of the things that he says, but then they go, but can he actually achieve it? Does he actually know how government works. And so there's many people that have kind of liked the idea of a Trump cruise ticket because they like that Trump is an outsider. They like the fact that he sees the issues for what they are and he's not bought and paid for. He cannot be bullied with the political correct stick. He says whatever he wants to say. So the the media can't control him. The establishment can't control him. They love that. Um, But they're a little not sure about how genuine he is as a conservative, but Cruz would kind of balance that out. What do you think about that ticket?
9: Well, I think that you're correct that um, that people do like what Donald Trump has to say. I think he's definitely tapped in to that. Um, I don't want to call it a rebellion, but it, it sort of is a rebellion against political correctness and and um, the war against the First Amendment that the left has waged. And and he has just said, you know, I, I really couldn't care less what they think. I'm just going to say say what I think. And mm-hmm. I think that the vast majority of America. And I say the vast majority, and I don't just mean the people that vote Republican, because I can tell you, uh, you know, I have young children and, and, you know, I'm sitting there on the bleachers for my little boys football games and hearing the people talk on the stands and they're liking what Trump has to say, and these are not all Republicans. No,
2: in fact, and, I think he's one of the few who can actually reach across the aisle and get votes from Democrats. I love the fact that he had a hundred and something black pastors meet him in New York. Who, what other rep- Republican candidate has actually reached out to the minority identity black voting block like he has? And it, and it was genuine that he actually wanted to hang out with these guys and, and earn
9: their support and, and court no, that's them. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Now I will say that that Ted Cruz has done the same thing oh, he okay. has also reached out to um, to black pastors as well, and um, you know he he has had the same kind of of embracing that Donald Trump has uh, where black pastors are concerned and where evangelicals are concerned mm-hmm. um, at large because I think that one of the areas that Trump is weak on is is among a lot of evangelical voters, and Trump mm-hmm. is very, or uh, Cruz is very strong when it comes to the evangelical vote. And in order for us to be able to win the White House, we absolutely have to turn out the evangelical vote. Um, we did not, we did really nothing to turn them out back in 2012, and we saw how that worked out for us. Actually, though, um, I've
2: read some stats that more evangelicals came out for Romney than did McCain. I think for me, my analysis, when I did a postmortem on Romney, it read to me as though he really, I, I tell you, it, even the exact moment I thought he lost the election for me was in the second debate. I think it was the second debate in which he said, You know, I'm gonna be fine if the if I don't win. Mr. Obama's gonna be fine if we don't win. And it was he was trying to pander to the lower and to the middle class people, but it showed me that he did not communicate to the American people the dire situation we were in if Obama won re election. He should have been saying to the American people, Look We are on the We are on a path to complete destruction, which is what Trump is saying. We must turn this around. And I am here to do this for my family and my grandkids. And here is a stark contrast in terms of what I will do as president over what that man is going to do. Do not reelect him because all of our futures are at stake here. And he didn't. And to me, I thought that, that to me, I, and of course, you know, I do have a background in sales. To me, the salesmanship, it was, he, he lost in that moment. We must have somebody. And, and people are criticizing, conservatives are criticizing Trump because he has a history of being a Democrat. Well, you know what? So did Ronald Reagan. And at this point, with what's happening in terms of the takeover from within, I'm not sure what you think, Julianne, is the number one issue that, that faces, that the voters are facing and are voting on. To me, it's like, it, it's not even, in economics, it's like Greg Gutfeld said, it's great to have a job, but you can't get to the job if you're dead or because your neighborhood's right. been destroyed by Islam.
9: Exactly. It's absolutely national security. And, I, you know, I don't think that there has been an election in my lifetime really when the when the number one issue has been national security. And it's a shame that it has to have come to this um, in, in America, but it has. That is the number one Thing that is on the mind of the vast majority of voters. You know, you can't Greg Gutfeld is right. You can't yep. you, you can't have a sound economy if the United States doesn't exist. Exactly. And and, you know, it's, it's a very scary thing. And I think you're right with Romney. I don't know if it was the second or the third debate for me, but it was the, it was the, I think it was the third one. It was the foreign policy. Horrible. debate. When when he was almost conciliatory toward yeah. Obama, yeah. and when he said he wouldn't have done anything really different um, than Obama did, right. um, and when Benghazi had just happened weeks before right. or a week before, right. well,
2: I got to leave it there, no Julian. I wish I wish I had more time. How can people get more information on your your organization?
9: Uh, you can visit my website at Julianne or you can follow me on Twitter at J. E. Thompson.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for for being with me. Hey, you guys stay with me too. We got more Andrea K Show coming up on
0: The Andrea K Show on AM eleven seventy The answer is sponsored by
1: Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
2: Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. It's hour two right here in the KCBQ studios. Glad to have you all here with me. I don't have to do my open on the top of the second hour, but I kind of like it. Especially since I get to hear my old buddy Rick from Master Studios. I should probably update my intro, but it's a way to get to hear Rick's voice all the time. So I love that. Hey, and I love that you guys share this time with me. Thank you so much. These are hot, crazy times uh, happening here in America. But we're going to close the show today with a little talk about Christmas, by the way. we got to, we, you know, we got to talk about that. But here to talk to me, you know, I teased it out. I promised you guys Gail Trotter at the top of the show. And we weren't able to connect on the phone because she's so busy doing all kinds of media. So I'm just excited that we were able to actually connect, and she is here with me, uh, political analyst and commentator, none other than Gail Trotter. Hey, Gail, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Andrea. Sure. Um, Obama's speech last night. What, what we, it's kind of like a Rorschach test. Um, is that what those things were called, when they show you like a blob? Yeah. Or what's your, what was your, what's your Rorschach or whatever it's called on that speech last night? What was your initial impression?
9: Underwhelming. Rubio made the point after the speech that. President Obama seems to be overwhelmed by the terrorist attacks. I am underwhelmed by President Obama's response to the terrorist attacks. And Mm -hmm. I think Carly Fiorina had the best tweet on it. She said, this is vintage Obama. He has Mm -hmm. no strategy, no leadership, and it's just politics as usual. What a missed opportunity, not only to restore faith and confidence (laughs) to the American people, but also to send a message to our enemies, not only overseas, Mm -hmm. but obviously those who you are here now.
2: Right. Um, to me, my initial impression was uh, that it was not that he didn't have any strategy. My initial impression was this is a part of his original strategy. He said in his book, I will stand with the Muslims should the wind shift in an ugly direction after the a terrorist attack that left Americans dead in Benghazi that was a direct result of his administration's uh, foreign policy plan, as well as their failures to protect Americans. What did he do? He did just like they did here. He attacked the First Amendment, actually scapegoated uh, uh, in order to attack the First Amendment a video, and he went to the U.N. Right. and said, the future does not belong to those who would slander the prophet. I, fe- I put on Facebook last last night, it's just a paraphrase of that speech to me. Uh, Tucker Carlson said that he spent 8% of the time talking about the... Uh, it- Islamic terror, and 29% attacking Americans. I don't know if those numbers are accurate, those percentages, but that's kind of how it read to me. I mean, his Americans are attacked by an ideology. He comes out and basically lectures Americans to not badmouth the very ideology that left 14 dead. And shame on A.B. Stoddard, who said today that we needed to give him credit for giving his speech four days later. Really? Really, A.B.?
9: I think it was even worse than that. It wasn't just that he was saying that we were faulting this ideology. I think it was more offensive because he was not giving the American people enough credit that obviously they're not going to blame their Muslim neighbors, their Muslim sports heroes, that saying that for some reason that the American people were going to rise up and blame people who are obviously not responsible for what's going on. And yet he refuses to call the enemy by name, which is radical Islamic Jihadism and his it hit all of the strategies that you're talking about attacks on the First Amendment, attacks on the Second Amendment. He's out there saying that, oh, we don't want to have this backlash against Muslims or the Islamic faith, but yet if we shouldn't hold Muslims at fault for the actions of a few radicals, then why is he trying to pin the actions of these criminals in not only Boston, but California and Paris? Why are we trying to pin gun owners with the fault of the actions of those criminal individuals who decided to, you know, basically take down unarmed people for their own warped political and religious ends?
2: Right. I mean, it's, it's like when that, when that, crazed person went into a church in Charleston and shot people up. We had the Dukes of Hazard being pulled off the air, Gail, because it was an indictment of the entire South of which, you know, I, I was raised out of. But we're not supposed to think that there is an issue in Islam. And this woman came here. I found out this morning she was, you know, part of Pakistani refugees. I guess we've had 200,000 come here since yes. 2001, and she studied in a Pakistani school that has branches even here in the U.S. where she learned this particular brand of Islam. And so you're right. I mean, it just it's it's an intention to dilute the argument by acting as though I'm going to go to my next door neighbor who's a retired <laughs> anesthesiologist who's a Muslim. Who, who cooks the best upside down pineapple cake you've ever had, Whoa. by the way? the way, he's fabulous. Mari, love you. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's all because he doesn't want to admit it. My my theory is and I've been saying for a while that my theory is the reason why he doesn't want to admit it and doesn't want to call him out is because he is embracing um, sh- Sharia and hardcore Islam has a Marxist element because it's about a centralized totalitarian government. And so Obama sees an opportunity to partner with these groups like CARE and others to, to, as part of his, his alliance to transform well, America.
9: John Kasich doesn't usually say things that catch my attention or that I agree with. But he said as his response to President Obama's speech last night, Kasich said, our rights aren't the problem. Our unwillingness to act to defeat extremists, extremists is the problem. Now, I might have also said radical Islamic jihadists instead of extremists. But it's not just that they're extreme. There are a lot of people who are extreme. It's the fact that they're violent and that they act on these violent tendencies. But I thought it's so true. I mean, we have a just absolutely backwards. We're taking the actions that will make us less safe, and on top of that, we're insulting the American people by saying, like you said with your neighbor, um, that for some reason, you're going to feel like you're going to act out against that, and that's obviously not the case. Yeah, and and something
2: else that's kind of insulting to me is being told uh, the manipulative tactic of you know we 're not going to put boots on the ground because that 's what they want, you know oh. oh come on and and I actually i don 't know who this woman was. I saw in this press conference this morning out of San Bernardino saying that the purpose of terrorism is to make us afraid to do ordinary things so you know i 'm not buying that that you know and and she goes on to say, and we don 't want to um, uh um, something about, I, I can't remember what else she went on to say, but basically it was, we're not going to give in to them by not doing ordinary things. I don't think, that to me is not what their intention is, and I don't want to be manipulated into, no. oh, she goes on to say, love will give us the strength uh, uh, to embrace the ordinary. That's supposed to be our response to radical Islam terrorists who want to kill us? Embrace the ordinary? Okay, I'm going to go buy some shoes today, Gail. You know, that's my ordinary daily routine. That's That's going to help us. No, that's such platitudes from the left that makes me crazy. You know how, um you know, they don't want to face reality. The reality is... You know, love and ordinary activities are not going to defeat those that want to kill us. That is not a defense strategy. And that's no, what the,
9: the le- actions that we could take that would actually make us not feel afraid if we go into our ordinary activities. I mean, I'm not afraid, but I think that a lot of Americans would feel a lot safer if we had, you know, reciprocity on concealed carry permits across the states, across the United States. And I wrote a piece for The Washington Times about this a couple of weeks ago, the the. District of Columbia is our nation's capital. ISIS has said that they are coming for New York, Washington, for these places that are iconic. You know, the Capitol, the White House are going to raise the black flag of ISIS over the White House as it burns down. They say this completely inflammatory stuff. And yet our District of Columbia representatives will not allow people to easily obtain concealed carry permits. And if you had lots of people citizens who you couldn't tell that they were armed then terrorists who think that they're all these soft targets would soon learn that the mm-hmm. targets are not as soft as they think they are and right. that would deter them or at least keep the body count down absolutely
2: and that also about gun-free zones the first thing that I thought of when I heard about this attack was I sent up a prayer you know for the families and my second question I put on Facebook was this a gun-free zone because that's something else you know we had American we we've got Talk about American citizens being allowed to carry guns. We've got military on installations that are not even allowed to carry and at recruiting stations. I mean, it's, it's, it's insanity. You know, let's do the math. Love and ordinary activities does not protect us. Killing the people, the reality is killing those who want to kill us first before they have a chance to mow us down. That's what we, that's what we need to be embracing here. Um, hate speech that that was another thing so loretta lynch comes out immediately within days and and goes to i think may might have even been the next day and basically threatens to prosecute anybody who supposedly says something that she thinks is hateful that really put made the hair on the back of my neck go up what what was your response to that
9: It does, and as a practicing lawyer, I can't help but think about the next presidential contest and how vitally important it is to put someone in the Oval Office who will appoint justices to the Supreme Court who will make sure that the First Amendment is protected. Because if we don't have the First Amendment, then we are not going to be able to keep our liberty and the way of life that we want in the United States. And I think people frequently forget that this presidential contest is not just about the policies that the president will have in the White House, the national security policies, uh, foreign policy, any domestic initiatives, but the power of the president to determine who fills the chairs, you know, there are nine chairs on the Supreme Court bench, who sits in those chairs determines whether our safeties and liberties, our constitutional rights are protected. And so when you see the left signaling that they're going to come after the First Amendment rights, which, you know, there's a legal concept that you can't use speech in order to incite violence, but you have to have the speech be intended to harm someone, and it has to be the threat of imminent harm. And other than that, the First Amendment really protects this you know speech that's distasteful. It's right. the whole thing about you can say something offensive, but I'm going to come back at you with other speech, not put you in jail for saying the wrong right. thing. And, and the people so who, yeah,
2: yeah, and there's many people who have told me, oh, that can never happen here. I don't know if you read the book While you're up. There are elementary school kids getting arrested for words that are coming out of their mouth over there. This can happen here. We've got to protect our freedoms. And I'm so glad you brought that up because too many Americans have forgotten about uh, we're hit with so many different stories and everything right. every day. Gail, people forget about, the, hey, we've got to be paying attention to who's going to appoint who on, on, on the bench because you look at some of their decisions and how they've uh, impacted us like Obamacare. This is absolutely critical. How can people get more information about you, Gail, before we got to go?
9: Yes, I, you can like me on Facebook. My website is com, G-A-Y-L-E trotter.com, and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is my name, Gail Trotter.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Gail. I appreciate it. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much. <sighs> love her and what she had to say. Hey, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're actually going to shift gears a little bit because I think I told you at the top of the hour part of the multiculturalism um, political correctness that's being used to divide us in order to take us over from within involves um, the racial fomenting involving the police departments and we've got Steph Watts who's going to be on here to talk about the latest Chicago video that's come out. So you don't want to miss this. This is the Andrea K show right here on AM 1170. The answer
4: Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Gotta be. gotta get launched into my next interview because otherwise y'all are gonna have to hear me sing and I really don't wanna put you through that. It's just really <laughs> Anyway, I'm having such a great time being here with you all. This is the Andrea K. Show, if you're just just tuning in, right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. Uh, Before the break, we were talking to Gail Trotter and getting her impression on last night's uh, speech from President Obama. I want to shift gears right now because one of the issues that I've been talking about nationally that's really been concerning to me is the fomenting of racial divide. All the identity politics games that have been playing meant to divide us along racial lines and gender lines and sexuality and economic lines, and it's just really causing damage to our culture and our society. In some ways, that's what it's meant to do, but that does not mean, and and one of the tactics and areas that they've done this with us involves our police departments, and that does not mean that I don't think that there aren't bad actors in every industry and every job. Clearly, they are. I talked to you guys before about that video that came out where the kid was shot 16 times. I think the 14 times was while he was on the ground. I don't know what took them so long to prosecute that police officer and to charge him. And then this morning I see that there's another video coming out. I started to watch the press conference so that I could report into you all. And then I just was like ready to jab a, a knife into my eyeball. So I did what I always do. I called my buddy Steph Watts to see You know, y'all know who he is. He's like the number one criminal investigator. If there's a crime story, Steph's the go-to guy. So Steph Watts is here to tell everybody what the heck happened with this second shooting. Hey, Steph, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show.
3: Hey, thank you, Andrea. Um, It's very important to treat this Ronald Johnson shooting, which coincidentally happened eight days prior to Laquan McDonald, two extremely different cases. On the surface, Andrea, Ronald Johnson was shot twice in the back by Chicago Police Department is what we don't know. He was armed and was previously at a gunfight, returning to a gunfight with a gun. He was also shot in the back because he was running away from police towards uh, a park with public people in it and with uh, other officers on the other side. So here's what I'm trying to say. They released this video on the heels of Laquan McDonald. Laquan McDonald's family made billions of dollars. Uh, They were paid off. And they were sealed. The video was not supposed to be shown, but under the Freedom of Information Act, it was released. Now Ronald Johnson's family, mm-hmm. who uh, saw this, wants to seek the same kind of justice in their minds. They want money, and they want to be mm-hmm. paid by the police department. Here's the problem, Andrea. Ronald Johnson, according to my sources inside the Chicago PD, which you know are strong, is a known gang member who is returning to a, ga- a gunfight with a gun. Uh-huh.
2: Well, yeah, there you have it. So I kind of was suspicious and, and I'm glad you're reporting in on this because my initial reaction was it was released at a time now to distract us from the reality of the, of the attack in San Bernardino, which has been politicized in order to push gun control. And that this is going to now be one more example to accomplish two things. One, to divide us according to racial lines under what was going on with Ferguson and Baltimore that black people have a target on their back by you know, from white people, as well as have it be, you know, push for gun control. Do you see any element there in terms of this being about any of those uh, politics?
3: Well, here's the problem. People need to understand, look at the details of the Ronald Johnson sh- uh, shooting. The officer who shot him, Andrew, is named George Hernandez. Oh. George Hernandez, according to my records, is not a white name. So this is not Yeah, but a- George. A- right.
2: But George yeah. Zimmerman was referred to as a white Hispanic. So, OK, what? but go on.
3: Right. I, I, you know, again, that's, <laughs> that's, I, I, take, I take issue with that because, you know, when when cops do a shooting, they identify by race. Male, black, male, white, female, black, female, white. Right. So, I mean, w- you know, we can't. It, it, again, that's that's another whole issue. But what I'm, I'm saying is, yes, I agree that they I think they tried. I think under pressure from the media and the family and the attorney of the family mm-hmm. who all want money, they, they released this video at a very sensitive time on the heels of the, of the uh, Laquan McDonald shooting uh-huh. and also on the heels of what happened down in your area. So I think it was insensitive, it was untimely, and I think it's really ir- irresponsible to try to relate these two cases when they're not relatable. They're two completely different cases. What happened to Laquan McDonald was a disgrace. should yes. not have been shot. Six Absolutely. Yeah this for- young man was shot twice in the back.
2: Right. Although I have to tell you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I heard that Loretta Lynch has launched an, an investigation into that shooting in terms of it being a hate crime. I saw the video. I'm not sure that his race had anything at all to do. I think the police officer should have been charged with murder, but I don't know that it had anything to do with the kid's skin color. Why are we... Why are we? Am I wrong? Before I give you my follow-up question, tell me if I'm wrong no, about that. I,
3: I think unless... If you perpetrate a hate crime, I need to say to the person, I am attacking you, you know, I hate you, you friggin' N-word, or faggot, or gay, or whatever terminology you want to use that applies to the law. You have to use that terminology. So I think it's really, in this case, we have to be really careful about saying that it was because of his race. He happened to be black. The officer happened to be white. And I don't think we can say that. I agree with you. We can't say he intensely shot him because he was black. That's not an accurate statement.
2: Right. And so I'm concerned when I've got a government that's, you know, spending time and energy and resources towards this kind of an investigation when, you know, it, it to me, it just seems as though this administration is constantly looking for a way to make black people feel victimized by white people. And I actually just in terms of I advocate for um, ideas, not party or Paul, and I also advocate for equality for everybody. And to me, hate crimes legislation Seeks to make some victims more important than others. I don't think that any any teenager who shot sixteen times by the police. I don't think that's any more tragic because he's black than if that kid had been white. And to me, that's what that's what hate crimes legislation does. It seeks to elevate. You know, if if the point is with with people, we're all supposed to be equal. Then you don't make one murder any worse than any other. You know, Uh, to me, unless it involves a child. But when it comes to it.
3: yeah I agree with you if a crimes can be perpetrated against me uh, as an identifiable gay male and that and against you as a woman, yet the charges are going to be compounded uh against my perpetrator because of my identity that that's not equality to me that, that, that's that's it actually that's not there
2: now do we think that there's going to be any kind of outrage in terms of protest going on as as the release of this video or is it pretty apparent to everybody out there that you know hey this this is just kind of a Jesse Jackson style, you know, shakedown.
3: I, I think people are smart to what happened here. I think people can watch the video, realize that he was armed, realize that grass from where he fell was, you know, found on the gun. Know his record. People in Chicago know he was a known gangbanger. banger. Known to, and also was returning to the scene of a crime where guns were mm-hmm. fired, 911 was called, where he knew police were going to be at, and he was armed with a fully loaded weapon. Right. Do we know where he got the weapon? No, that's a good question. We don't know, but we do know. That, however, Andrew, that's a good question because that weapon was used and identified in a crime that was committed in 2013. Hmm.
2: So they've already done, well, yeah, I started to say question whether or not they've done the ballistics but of course they did because this this crime was actually committed quite a while ago
3: so right, it was and they, they also identified the fact that he had fired the gun in that car or mm-hmm. from that car prior to this incident with him being chased and shot so this they knew going into this that he was armed dangerous and willing and able to fire that weapon and that that weapon was loaded Well, you know what? Shame on this
2: family and these people then for trying to act as though I would like to think Steph, that if I had kids and one of them did something like this, that I wouldn't be trying to shake down anybody for money and act as though my kid was innocent. I think you should love your children unconditionally. But I mean, come on. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, here's you're seeing the politics and business of murder. You're seeing a hungry attorney going after a family when they know that there's been resignations in the police department about a Crime that happened a week after this crime, they've, they've got in their minds the making of the perfect story. Mm-hmm. Same month, a week before the resignation of cops admitting that they made fault in a, in the in prior crime. So you know it, they're they're trying to capitalize on it, right. and I think it's disgraceful.
2: Yeah, well, I something tells me Steph's not going to be doing a TV special on the
3: on this particular incident, yeah. right, Steph? I will not. I have enough <laughs> injustice going on around me that I don't need to focus on cases uh, where people bring this kind of stuff on themselves.
2: Exactly. All right. Hey, how can people get more information on you, Steph?
3: Ah, follow me on Twitter at Steph W. Watts, at Steph W. Watts, uh, or Facebook, just Steph Watts, or follow you and find you, me through you.
2: <laughs> uh, sounds good. Hey, Steph, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Have a great night, hon. Yeah. yeah uh, you today. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm um, glad to hear that. You know, I, it sounds like we're not really going to be getting into a whole lot of, you know, protest and different stuff from this. So one of the things that I love so much about Steph is that he's just, a, you know, he's like a straight up journalist guy. You know, he just gives it to you straight. Here's the facts. Here's the deal. And we just need really a whole lot more stuffs going on out there. Instead, what we've got is like the New York Daily News putting articles out there front page. God isn't fixing this. It was so apparent to any of the those of us who've been paying attention and know the ultimate game plan that's been going on is for years now. The transformation was about turning us into going down the road to Marksville and they've got to replace God with state. So who was we talked at the top of the show about this is this is a show about enemies and who are the enemies? You know, the the. Stories that the Sharptons and Jesse Jackson, the Department of Justice is trying to make black people think that that the white person is the enemy and has got a target on their back. Not true. Uh, Another way that the left who truly does see us as an enemy, they see Christians and conservatives as an enemy. They see our belief system in God because we put our we believe in individual responsibility, but we put any hopes that we have. Any prayers that go up in any belief that we have in a higher power, it goes above. It goes to God, not to government. And it's critical for them. They, that's why they see us as, as an enemy. It is absolutely critical that they pierce that, that they remove our freedom of religion just as much as they need to remove our freedom of speech. As well as our Second Amendment, in order to get it over on us, but we're not going to let that happen, and we're going to keep this conversation rolling on the other side of the break. So, if you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170,
4: The Answer. Yeah, freezing full effect. Uh-huh. You ready, I'm ready. You ready I'm ready. Want more, Andrea K?
1: Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you. Online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533.
4: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Shoot. Ooh, baby. Uh huh, not you. That's right, baby. Yeah. the bow-legged
6: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
9: Salt and pepper. Tamsy. Mm hmm. That's not sex. Uh, here I go, here I
2: go, here I go. A girl, what's my weakness? Okay, then chillin', chillin', mindin' my business. you I looked around and I couldn't believe <laughs> I swear, I stand, my niece, my witness. The brother had it going uh-huh. on Hey, world. welcome back to the uh-huh. Andre K. Show. I love me some salt and pepper. And you know what? I know every word of that rap song. Because back in the day, my girls and I, we'd go out together, we hit it hard out on the dance floor. I also call my sister and I salt and pepper. Because we like to shake it out on the dance floor ourselves. Speaking of shaking, we've been shaking out Obama's speech last night and all the crap associated with that. We've also, prior to the break, we were shaking down the story about the Chicago shooting. You know, it's all woven together, every bit of it. At the top of the show, we were talking about enemies and how to fight the enemy. Here we are on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And the left clearly sees anything traditional American conservative. That includes our First Amendment, our Second Amendment. Nothing is more precious to me than speech. And that's really, that's their holy grail. That and guns. That's what it's about. I don't have a whole lot of time to get into the history today, but I reached out to a friend of mine who's kind of a history buff. I think we kind of all know on the periphery, I think most of us do at this point, that it's kind of not a coincidence that President Obama, I've been talking about this partnership and that he has had, With Islam for a while, that's very strategic. It doesn't matter to me whether or not he's a Muslim. It's a strategic alliance, like on the TV show Survivor, all meant to gain power. Islam is a political system, one of which involves a centralized government with complete control over its citizens. One of the ways they get control over their citizens and and has been happened in the past in Marxist societies as well as others has been through gun control, supposedly under the guise of wanting to protect the citizens. Who else was involved in that? Hitler. Yeah, I'm not supposed to say the H word. We're not supposed to say the N word. Another example of cultural Marxism to beat us over the head with a political correctness stick. But you do a little Googling and you research the history between Islam and what went down between Islam and Hitler. And in fact, there was a great movie called Submission, and that's actually where I first was introduced to Nani Darwish, because that movie parallels what was going down in pre-World War II Germany and ties with Islam. And that's what's happening here. And it's not too far-fetched to say, wake up, people. This is exactly the blueprint. For how they gained complete control over the citizens there. And make no mistake about it. That's what they're trying to get over on on us here. I haven't had too many other people. Whenever I pose the question like I did earlier to Bernie Carrick and to others about my idea of to have it not be declared a political system versus a religion is something I'm going to continue to push for. And and I would like to see if I don't care whether it takes an act of Congress. Think about what that would do to remove so many of the obstacles we have in in facing this enemy and defeating this enemy. Um, One of the ways that they're trying to get this over, like gun control, of course, I mean, immediately they came out with it. The favorite talking point of the left is this no-fly list. It doesn't make sense. that any. How could somebody be on a no-fly list and be able to buy a gun? Well, because maybe we've had senators, congresspeople, and little old ladies on the no-fly list. Meanwhile, we didn't have the Tsarnaevs on a no-fly list. And I'm not comfortable with the government just deciding that they can put a name on a list in order to keep those people from buying guns. In fact, that's exactly what Napolitano tried to do to our military, uh, labeling a returning veteran from wartime as a threat and somebody who should not be owning guns. So I'm not on board. With this no fly list. But evidently, who was on board with it? Where, whose idea was it initially? George W. Bush. You know, I got an email from a listener a while back telling me, you got to get off this support of George W. Bush. When have I been Bush's big supporter? He, he ran as a conservative, won successfully by running as a conservative, then he governed like a Dem. He's the one who gave us Department of Homeland Security with the TSA. They can't seem to stop anybody from flying here, putting, you know, bombs in their shoes or whatever. He's the one who gave us the greedy geezer bill. And tomorrow's show, we're actually going to get into some economics and we're going to be talking about things like Obamacare and some other economic issues. But it's like I was saying earlier with Gail Trotter, you know, it, it, security is a huge impediment to the economy. Gutfeld was right. You know, it doesn't make, it's great to have a job, but if you can't get to the job because you're dead, who's, who's going to work today, uh, from the 14 last week from San Bernardino? Yeah, they had jobs too. Um, we've got to, we've got to, remind the american people the republican party does of the economics what happened to us economically after nine eleven. the two are tied together i really think that the american people are going to view like i said to gail earlier safety and security is the number one issue if not the republican party needs to hit hit home with it i had a laugh though in uh, um, reading some comments from trump Excuse me, I'm losing my voice, so I've got a cough drop in right now. (laughs) I guess Trump, and after hearing about President Obama's speech last night, and Obama referenced our sports heroes when he was talking about Muslim Americans, I guess Trump said, or he tweeted, Obama said in his speech that Muslims are our sports heroes. What sport is he talking about and who? Trump tweeted. Well, I guess, you know, uh, then he goes on and asked, is Obama profiling? No, he's not profiling, but we should be, because that would make sense, Okay. Uh, This article goes on to to remind people that there's a number of sports legends who have identified themselves as Muslims, including Shaq, who came out of LSU. I had no idea. Shaq. Turn in your LSU jersey immediately. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as well as Muhammad Ali. Okay, hello. Um, So I had to laugh, you know, at Trump. I mean, you know, he just says anything. And you know what? He's so Teflon because he doesn't care. What the media has to say. That's one reason why I was talking to Gail earlier that Cruz might have courted black pastors like Trump did, but he didn't play it like Trump. I don't know if Trump's going to come to the debate on the 15th. He threatened not to unless CNN gave five million dollars to our military heroes. This I kind of like this. I don't care whether or not he was wrong about sports heroes, because you know what? I don't care whether Shaquille O'Neal went to LSU. I'm supposed to not be concerned about radical jihadist. The pan, uh, the pan international, I can't remember the term conservative review called it, but basically it's an international Islamic jihad taking place and I'm supposed to not care about it because of Shaq? Even though he went to my alma mater? Really? That's the insanity that's going on here. But Americans are wising up to every bit of it. I tell you, one of the things that I just learned that has given me so much more hope for the future of this, this country, that Americans are wising up and waking up is some stats that have come out about gun purchases. Um, let me read you some some quotes here. Um, the, the agency, there's an agency that tracks uh, uh, the purchases of guns because they have to go through the FBI's immediate um, background checks. Um, the agency performed the most background checks since 1998, came immediately after December 2012, when we had the Newtown, Connecticut shootings that killed 27 people, Potential gun buyers that week outnumbered 953,600. On Black Friday, a total of 183,345 applicants were processed through the instant criminal background check system. That's a 5.5% increase over the year before. And the Pew Research Center uh, last December found that 57% of Americans say they believe owning a gun helps protect them from a crime. Well, duh. Of course it helps protect them. I was listening in the car to the live coverage last week of San Bernardino and a woman from the organization that had done lockdown training with the facility in San Bernardino that was attacked, talked about the intricate details that she had that they had trained on from whispering, from hiding in a corner, from this and that. And and, and I, I thought I can't. This must be some kind of SNL skit. I thought I cannot believe that I am hearing this woman talking about whispering as a strategy to defend herself against Islamic terror. Instead of a gun, Americans get it they're going to do everything they can to get our guns. One of the ways that they're going to go about it, which was mentioned speaking of debates at the last Democrat debate. See, the Democrats love to have these debates on Saturday nights because they don't think anybody's going to watch but one of the, in the last Democrat debate, what she and Hillary Clinton what she Hillary and Bernie Sanders talked about was one of the ways that they're going to get over is if they can't get it, get it deny our rights. By legislation and attacking the Second Amendment, they're going to try to get ammunition. And then their new play is to go after the gun manufacturers themselves. Class action lawsuits against the gun manufacturers. So if somebody uses a gun and goes and, you know, shoots up a bunch of people, they're going to try to hold the gun manufacturer responsible. They ain't doing that with automobiles. If somebody gets behind, if I get behind the wheel, get drunk tonight and go and kill somebody, is, you know, I drive a Ford. Is Ford going to be held responsible? No, no. Because this isn't about, it's never about what they say it's about. This is about control over people. They have gained already in their, in their fight against the enemy being the American people. Their tactic, which has worked so far, is mind control over Americans. When we have Americans after 9-11 that are refusing to report obvious jihadi activity going on because they don't want to be called a bigot, that's an example of the mind control that has worked. The liberalism and Marxism and what's at play is the same as what was at play between Hitler and the Muslims back in pre-World War Two. It's about control over people. That's what it's about. And I have a hope now in reading these stats from gun uh, from these gun stores talking about how they're they're busier. This guy, Ray Peters, manager of range guns and safes sells firearms and safes in atlanta he says everybody is reporting up every store every salesman every distributor people are much more aware of the need to protect themselves and i say they're not just more aware of the need to protect themselves against the jihadis but also the government the second amendment was actually meant to protect us more from a tyrannical government than from somebody else wanting to come through your front door illegally breaking and entering I'm more. I I I feel truly feel the need to protect myself against Uncle Sam coming through my door, the government coming through my door, than I do from any bad guy coming through my door. We're gonna take a break. When we come back. We got our final segment on tonight's Andrea e. K Show. So stay with me. This is the Andrea e. K Show on AM 1170. The Answer.
6: Be
4: sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E.
2: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
4: you're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to The Andrea Kay Show. Some great 90s throwback jams from Dylan. That's a little TLC. Talking about scrubs. A scrub, you know what a scrub is for me? Got a little different definition. Scrub for me is any elected official who's not willing to call the enemy out for who they are or where they are and be willing to do something about it. Did you know that the DHS, which was brought to us by uh, President Bush, lost 58,000 foreign students who overstayed their visas and 6,000 of those were classified as heightened concern? But yet they still want to tell us that we should be welcoming more refugees in any American that goes along with that or touts that you can, you really need to have your head examined. Okay. You're not thinking clearly. Jay Johnson has said that he's coming out with a new warning system. Remember how the left mocked everybody when, when uh, Bush had his, his colored warning system, which I actually kind of thought was mockable because really, you know, what are you going to do when, when jihadists are coming, coming through your workplace with, with a gun to kill you, you're going to throw up a, throw up a color. You know, where was, where was the government and seeing the warning system with these people? They're not doing what they need to do to vet. We should have nobody coming here from any of these Muslim com- countries. We should have nobody. We Let's stop this visa crap. And we should be monitoring. We should be getting into some racial profiling. That's what we need to be doing. We need some, you, they want the left. Let's talk about common sense solution. Here's some common sense solutions. Let's racially profile. Let's listen to the conversations and monitor closely. If first of all, stop anybody from coming here from any of these Muslim countries. Then we need to be listening in on the conversations that's going on. They're listening into Americans. They're data mining us. We need to be listening into conversations. We need to be routing out these mosques. We need to be closing down any madrasa. There should be no madrasa. They are hiding right now behind religious protections, but these schools. What protection? Why are they allowed to operate and exist? Why are we have? Why do we have any organization that was an unindicted co-conspirator in terrorism like here able to operate in this country? Those are some questions that I want to hear asked at the next week's debate. And um, uh, I'm not sure uh, who from CNN is going to be moderating that debate. I'm going to have to look that up and talk about that in tomorrow's show. Hey, you are going to want to tune into to tomorrow's show. We're going to be getting into some more economics. Did you know that about, that the Senate? has approved the defunding of Planned Parenthood and and repealed Obamacare. We gotta get, we're gonna get into a little bit of that because we're probably gonna be hearing more and more. We need to be hearing more and more about that. You know, Marxism and Islamic control, their political system, it's all about complete control over our lives. What was missing in last night's speech, which was interesting to me, was not only did he not talk about Israel, but he didn't talk about global warming. I guess he couldn't tie, you know, famine and poverty and heat to San Bernardino because these madrasas at these schools that she that are operating in Canada and U.S. In fact, the, the president of the school actually lives in Canada. These are these are schools that are attended by the upper middle class of Islamic society. So I guess I it was either that or maybe he was just too anxious to put on his tuxedo and go to the party last night. Maybe that's why he didn't mention uh Climate change. But you know what I want? I want instead of 20,000 government people, speaking of climate change, instead of what, 20,000 workers, however many workers are de- dedicating their time and taxpayer money to trying to decide and, and, and hand wringing over whether or not over one degree difference in the temperature. I want those people to be routing out those who are trying to come here to kill us. Pretty easy. It's just simple math. But Gail was right in talking about the Republican Party. They haven't done anything on their part either. We have Jeb Bush that actually said in one of the first primaries, and he hadn't gone anywhere. He's still got some fat pockets. I'm not, I'm not looking for Jeb to be going anywhere at all. Rush was talking earlier about a strategy that's been floated out there that what the Jeb Jeb's packed pack is trying to do is trying to get rid of Rubio and get rid of Cruz so that it ends up with just him and Trump. And then the, then the establishment's going to try to tell the American people that he's not electable. And we're going to end up with Bush on the ticket. That's the strategy. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's interesting that that's being floated out there. What did Jeb Bush say was his number one concern? Climate change. That came from a Republican. So to me, the Republican Party has has blood on their hands with what happened in San Bernardino as well. President Bush started bringing these refugees here. Where was the Republican Party? If I'm reporting that six hundred and eighty thousand Muslim refugees have been brought here or immigrants have been brought here from these country, hundreds of thousands of these people, just like that San Bernardino woman. And what's with this radicalized? She where was she? She was at supposedly an ordinary madrasa learning the Koran. So what was different between what what did she learn in that classroom that was any different than the person sitting next to her that was also on a flight coming over here? That's what I want to know. Nothing. There's no difference. Somebody posted a meme. I'm going to do some research on it tonight. Somebody posted a meme on my Facebook the other day about Japan, that J- Japan doesn't allow for any mosques. They don't allow for any of the um, practice of Islam going on over there. I'm not sure if that's true, but I kind of like it because you know what? There, even the moderate Muslims who are here are trying to deny my, my civil rights. I don't want to hear about removing the civil rights from an ideology that actually preaches that I'm the infidel. You look at, you look at what the left is doing to Christians and what happened with Holly, um, Hobby Lobby. Our, as Christians, our rights are being taken away from us. I'm being constantly Preach to that in you know, and for safety that I've got to be willing to give up my rights, but yet the Muslims aren't are, are we're constantly being told that they can't give up theirs and we're not supposed to discriminate against them. I tell you what. Yeah, I'm discriminating if I see a Muslim and they and, and you know, they're cool or whatever, like my next door neighbor. Fine. I don't consider them a threat, but I'm looking at every, let me put it to you this way. If I was living in France and they had had, which is primarily people that are brunette or whatever, living in a country with primarily dark skinned people with, with dark hair, and they had had a problem with little blonde Southern American women waging jihad against them, I would expect everybody to look at me closely. And you know what? I wouldn't have a problem with it. In fact, I'd be going to the government and saying, hey, you know, look into every drawer. Take, because I want to make sure you, you realize that I'm cool and I'm not here to harm anybody. Instead, I wouldn't be demanding accommodation, which is what they're doing here. The American people need to wise up and wake up. Um, one of the things Obama talked about in his speech last night is, Oh, they don't represent Islam. These ISIL, ISIS people. And no, I'm not going to get into this Daesh thing. Everybody's on board with that. To me, that's just trendy and clever. We, I want to keep the word Islam just like you know we, you know we do not need to take the word nazi out of what was happening in nazi germany i'm not taking the word islam out of what's happening with islamic terror he's trying to minimize the threat by saying oh it's just some little death cult well ab- absolutely not a 24 page document called principles in the administration of the islamic state has been reported and put out by the mirror it was written by an egyptian called abu abdullah in the in many of the details which everybody's reading today involves uh, children and training them and light arms and all the different methods in which they use. But what's really interesting is they're building a state with, and it's got guidelines. They're very organized education, natural resources, industry, diplomacy, propaganda and the military. This is not just some little death cult. They're actually, you know, well organized. Well ahead of the game. And what they're doing is they're actually they've actually taken the Quran and they put it. They've put down a game plan for what the what the Quran is is basically directing them to do. This is a caliphate. And the American people need to understand that. Obama talked last night about airstrikes. Uh, there have been strikes, but it wasn't against ISIS, according to Syria. There was four aircraft belonging to a U.S.-led coalition that targeted uh, an army camp of uh, Syrian. Why? Why did Assad become an enemy of Obama when he was supposedly running a secular government over there? Interesting. Who he again? Who he thinks are his enemies, and who who he thinks are his allies? He certainly didn't mention again. He didn't mention Israel last night. Getting back to ISIS, there. Uh, Charlie Winter, a senior researcher from Georgia State says that far from being an army of irrational, bloodthirsty fanatics, which Obama likes to characterize them, they are a deeply calculating, this is the key words, political organization with an extremely complex, well-planned infrastructure behind it. This game plan, education, natural resources, industry, diplomacy, propaganda and the military, every bit of that is in play right now here in America. There's two different forms of jihad. One involves what happened in San Bernardino where they mow everybody down, and that's not meant to just... Just strike, make us too scared to go do our grocery shopping. This is about a takeover. This is about like Nani Darwish said, America's good loot. This is about conquest. The very definition of Islam is submission. Their purpose is not to make us scared to wash clothes. Their purpose is to destroy us, to take us over for, to fly. Like Gail said, to fly the Islamic state flag over the white house. Two ways they want to do it. They want to do it by killing us all, killing the infidel. And another way they want to do it is through the use of education, natural resources, industry, diplomacy, propaganda, and the military to take us over from within. That's the stealth jihad that is taking place right here in America, and we must do something to stop it. And that means making sure we get the right people into office who are willing to do that on both sides of the aisle. Now, tomorrow, i got... I'm going to be. You get lots of different ways to hear and see the Andrea K show. I'm going to be on Craig Sewing Show here on AM 1170 KCBQ at six. The Andrea K show <coughs> is at 8 p.m. here <coughs> on AM 1170 KCBQ, and I'm going to be back on America Trends TV tomorrow night. If you don't get YouTube America. As part of your cable package, you can watch it online. That's at 7 p.m. So 6 p.m. I'm going to be on Craig Sewing, 7.15-ish Pacific Time. I'm going to be on America Trends TV. You can go to u 2 and then 8 p.m. is the Andrea K. Show right here tomorrow night. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Oh, last thing I want to mention, if you're in San Diego... The food bank is working with veterinary specialty, specialty clinic. There's a few of them. My favorite is in Sorrento Valley. They did great work and helped my baby pickles when she was suffering with her brain tumor. So many poor people not only have struggles trying to feed themselves at the holidays, but also their pets. They're doing a toy, uh, a pet food drive. Contact them. You can Google veterinary specialty clinic. I think they're just Google veterinary spe, specialty clinic in Sorrento Valley and find their information and donate some pet food to people. You know how much I love my fur babies. And I love you all so much. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook, and let's keep the...